This is the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, De Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rappaport Diamond podcast. My name is Avi Kravitz. I'm the Senior Analyst at Rappaport. And with me today are the co-founders of the Gem Genev show, which has recently taken place in Geneva. And that's um, Thomas Faraber and Ronnie Tota, who um, have, have been very gracious to uh, with their time. And it's a pleasure to have you both on. Welcome, Thomas, and welcome, Ronnie. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Avi. Thank you, Avi. And as I said, we've just come through the um, Gem Genev show, which unfortunately I wasn't able to to attend. But um, we're hearing various reports about it, and maybe we can, you can we can start off with um, you giving us your perspective of the show, um, Thomas. Perhaps let's start with you. Um, how was the show received, and um, and what were your impressions about the market from the show? I think everybody I spoke to, all the exhibitors were really very happy. I think the mood was good again. You know, we had also a show in November, which went extremely well. Everybody was happy to be back after the COVID problems. And uh, this one really confirmed that uh, the mood for show like ours, which is a very personal show, I would say, you know, it's done by exhibitors for exhibitors, which is a very different concept from all the other shows. And I think we know exactly what the exhibitors want. The people I spoke to in the business were very happy with the business. I think the mood is good at the moment. I can even say thank God for myself. <laughs> That's great to hear. And um, and uh, and Ronnie, um, I mean, Thomas mentioned that the the last show was um, was postponed for 2021 because of COVID, and it took place in November, which is not not very long ago. Um, so did, did you did you feel a change in the mood in the in the sentiment among exhibitors and also buyers um, in that short time? Well, we found a big change already in November, but it was, as Thomas said, just bec- in our opinion, because the COVID was there. In fact, it was like an explosion of life. Life was coming back, a normal life. And so it's mostly in November that we had this feeling that really something changed. And in fact, this November show were not supposed to be. In fact, we did a Zoom meeting uh, end of August 21, and we wanted to announce to the exhibitors that we would not do it. We just made a poll to see uh, what people were thinking and the vast majority, it was about 72% of the people, we were 87 there, thought that we should do it. And this is why the November show existed. And it shows also what Thomas said when he said is done by the exhibitors for the exhibitors. It shows that it's not just a sentence because it looks nice, this sentence, to say, you know, it has a, a, 
a nice tone to say by the exhibitor for the exhibitors, but it's not a, a sentence, it's reality. I think the fact that we did it finally in November showed even to the exhibitors that we were following what they wanted. And this is how we did in six weeks time, we, we set up the show in November. And between November and March, it was more confirmation of what we felt in November. The November show was a smaller show, and in March, we saw it in a much bigger scale. So th this is concerning the mood of the exhibitors. Right. Before COVID, there was this sort of feeling that, at least in the diamond industry, that there was a show fatigue. There were too, there were too many shows. People weren't really um, getting, gaining from the, from the various shows what they used to. And now, with uh, having had that break, it seems that you know one of the you know one of the the advantages, or if you can call it that, of COVID was that it breathed a bit of life into the show circuit, and people were very people seemed to be um, more energized um, to go to the shows and network again and see people face to face, and that's that that's what your description of of the November show and this uh, uh, show in April, um, or was it uh, April, May, um, sort of brings to mind that it seems that people were really energized to to get together again and, and do business in person. Well, it's a mix of, you know what, who are fed up to do too many shows and let's do the right shows. And we have to admit that our show, we really stick to what they, they want. And we are not just trying to take advantage of the exhibitors, just, you know, to cash, to cash out everything we could and sell as much as we can. So if we can do a prediction, I think that people would reduce the number of shows they are doing. We heard a lot of people, well, not a lot, but some people who used to do something like 11 shows a year, they would probably now go down to five because it's true that the COVID showed us that, in fact, shows are not the only mean to sell. So this, I think, for sure, it would remain. Then the consequence is, but we still need shows, so let's pick up the right ones. And uh, uh, hopefully we are going to be among those few that people would choose this is one thing, but now, because you spoke about the diamond people, now if we go to the colored stone show dealers and the antique jewelry uh, dealers, they would still need shows, it's clear. You cannot buy an antique piece like you're buying a diamond. So you still need to go to come and to touch the goods, to see it and to turn it in your hands. And then it's kind of communication between yourself and the piece to try to see if it really fits what you like. So definitely the show's overview, it means the show map is going to change. But still, we would have some shows, but I think in a little number in a more concentrated manner and and just picking up from what um what what ronnie said thomas to my mind it seems that there's um, a regional aspect to um that consolidation of of trade fairs um you know the us is a different market and there are various um various important events um uh, particularly for the colored stone um pe uh, people and also the antique and vintage um jewelry but um but the main sort of um uh 
concentration of events would be the Vegas shows that are coming up. And then, um, you know, they're the Hong Kong shows that still need to sort themselves out. But then the big European show was always um, at the ba Basel world. And that's, uh, and that's no longer. So it seems that there is that opportunity for the European markets to um, consolidate and, and have a, um, an event that um, people can meet and network and, and trade. I mean, is that something that you're, you're aware of and thinking of, or is it just, you know, we are confident in, in our events and, and doing what we need to do? Or is there a market share there to be taken? No, well, I think we found uh, maybe a niche also. Our show is very much in the upper end of the market. It's in the high end, as well as the appearance of the show, our, the way we build our booths, the way we treat our exhibitors. I think our goods, uh, we select our exhibitors, not only by size, but by quality. We wouldn't take anybody. We wouldn't have the room to take many more people. So I think that is the concept. And the concept in the first year was touch and feel, which is in, in our segment of the market, which is very, very important. Uh, you cannot buy high-end colored stones, uh, even important colored diamonds or special diamonds and uh, vintage jewelry, of course. You have to even try it on. So that is uh, still important. And I think as long as, as the jewelry business exists, people will want to try on things and see how it looks. Well, I, I'm 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 glad to hear you say that because um, during COVID, as as everything was forced onto digital, and jewelers in particular were sort of um, awoken to the fact that you can buy, you can sell jewelry online. I think people still felt that there's a personal sort of connection that one builds. Um, towards a piece of jewelry by by seeing it in person, by trying it on, and and that creates more of an emotional attachment to to the to the the digital cell. So, I think that we can certainly, I think the market definitely sells more effectively and can tell a better story in the person. And so, I'm I'm really happy that you you brought that point up. Thank you, um, Ronnie. Yes, Abby, sorry, I just want to go back to what you were saying, that it's a regional show and that now that Basel is not anymore, there is an opportunity. I just want to go back to some figures. In 2019, we had 210 exhibitors. In the meantime, Basel World was having, in our field, 103 or 106. So it's just to put this into perspective, I don't think that the opportunity came when Basel went out or Basel World went out of business. It's not this. But in fact, the niche was to do something that a show that would take care, first of all, of the visitors. If the visitors are happy, they would come back. Then the exhibitors would happy. Then they would come back. And then the organizer would happy which is not at all the way that any organizer is doing. Because when you organize a show and it's your job, the first thing you have to do is you must be happy. Otherwise, you don't do the job. And to be happy, you must sell as much as you can as the highest price you can. Like this, you're happy. And the rest, in fact, you don't have the tools to know what the visitor wants because an organizer cannot know. 
whatever the visitor wants because they are organizing a lot of different shows, so they are not really aware of the needs of the visitors. And in fact, if you see what we are going to do, for example, in Jam Genève, when Thomas and myself, we select, and our team, we select the exhibitors, we might take a very small company who is doing, let's say, Opals or who is doing Conch Pearls, rather than another diamond dealer, because we want the visitor to find a big variety of goods. So this is the way we're taking care of the visit, or one of the ways, and I think people are feeling this. But I do agree with you that there would be regional shows. This, I think, is going to be a future. And probably three generalist shows, one in Asia, one in Europe, and of course in the States they have already. So I think this is going to be the next map of the shows, is few uh, regional ones and three big shows generalists one in asia one in europe one in the states it certainly makes sense um and and i appreciate your description of your goals and your target market because as you describe it is a niche show and it is targeting the that high end and uh, special specialty jeweler type of um type of exhibitor and buyer i think but, um, and i think that also connects to the the previous point that that um thomas and i were making about the personal element of the jewelry of seeing the jewelry but there's also what you're describing ronnie the personal element of meeting people and finding and connecting people um to the right people the right buyer to the right seller and um and that is also something that um that was that was kind of diluted in some way i think during the digital boom of um, of covid um but i did, I did want to change subjects um slightly although it's, it's it's certainly connected because both of you have a a background in colored stones and uh, and um and in vintage jewelry as well and i was wondering I, I would love to get your perspective of how those markets are um firstly um performed and handled the the covid crisis and and sort of the sentiment in the market at the moment given the geopolitical um uh, turmoil that uh, that um, certainly at least the diamond industry is facing um considering its supply maybe thomas will will point to you on this how how is the the colored stone market the colored gemstone market um faring at the moment I can only talk for myself. We have um, really problems getting beautiful high-end colored stones, being sapphires, rubies, emeralds. To buy them, we have to pay enormous prices. And to find them, we have to chase. This is also something about fairs. We used to go to fairs and buy from our colleagues, or our colleagues used to buy from us. And this hasn't happened, and it's it's come back a little bit now in Gem Genève. We have had other fellow dealers coming to us and trying to buy and vice versa. So I think this is an important part of the fair market, you know, is to get informed what's going on, what is what is available. And during the COVID, we were completely cut off. 
of these informations. But it seems then that the, the demand is there. The demand for beautiful vintage jewelry is very high. The demand for beautiful colored stones, it's high also. From the demand side, there's no problem. I think it's probably from the supply side in the top end, which is basically what I'm doing. I can't talk for other people who are maybe more in the commercial end, but that's also not... Commercial end is not really what Jem Genève represents. Fair enough. And um, Ronnie, uh, maybe you can comment on, has the geopolitical situation with the war in Ukraine and, uh, you know, between uh, and, and with Russia, has that affected the um, sentiment in the market at all um, in the gems, uh, in the colored gemstone and the vintage and higher end jewelry? Or I would imagine that in, in times of uncertainty, it would actually give it a bit of a boost um, given the investment um, aspect of, um, of high end Jewelry. I think we do see that in the in the in the diamond market. Well, certainly it has effects. This is impossible not to have to determine exactly what is a part of the geopolitical situation in the raise of the prices. It's difficult to see what is the main reason that makes the price going up. My analysis would be that in the beginning of the COVID, prices went down. Uh, quite a lot. And this is most probably because all of us, we faced the fact that the business were out. We, it was a shock. We didn't know that we could work differently. So uh, it was, a, this is how I see, like a panic saying, well, if we can make a sale, let's do it, you know, because it's a miracle if we can do a sale. And for us, when we were doing, I don't know, $5,000 sale, we were all happy, you know, saying, wow, it's a miracle, already 5000 And so I guess at that moment, the prices fell. And I think this could have been seen, of course, in the diamond. This is easier to see in the diamond business. But I think it was the same thing in colored stones. And probably people were dumping a little bit their stones, not the top ones because you don't have a lot of people who are just having top ones, so you are dumping the other ones. And once we realized that, well, we made a $5,000 sale, and then Thomas did a $25,000, and then another $50,000, then we really began to have confidence, and we discovered that there is something else than the shows, and we can also sell in the old way. Then the prices went up and went up again. And of course, with the crisis, the Ukraine crisis, this, it certainly make it the tendons bigger because I think people saw that they want to invest, but they want probably to convert some money in the bank into a more mobile, you know, they increase the, the mobility of their assets. Okay, um, it's it's it sounds quite quite familiar, and uh, you know, since since my focus is generally on the on the diamond market, but um, but I know that the the coloured stone market is a different um, different animal altogether, and and such an interesting one, and. Um, <clears throat> As I was saying to Thomas earlier, it's um, it's something that I am trying to learn more about, and I look for and it's and I'm finding it fascinating. Um, I, I will I would like to just close with two um, two more questions. 
Um, the first being, um, what are your plans for, for next year in terms of Gem Genev? Um, have you set a date for the next show? Um, Ronnie, is, uh, have you started planning already or is it too soon? Are we too fresh off, uh, off the, the, the 2022 edition and, and we should give you a break? Well, you're taking me or us into a turmoil because we received so many uh, inquiries, do a show here, do a show in September, do a show in November. Uh, you should go to Dubai, you should go to Singapore, you should go to Palm Beach. Uh, we should do another show in Geneva. Why not Paris? So, and another one told me also London. So, so talk about regional shows. Um, you can corner the whole market. <laughs> we could do little shows. And in fact, I would not tell you what, because first of all, I have to speak to Thomas because it's just something that happened to my mind yesterday night. So you see, it's, it's quite fresh. So this, I would leave it first to Thomas, then to the bureau, to the office, to see if they can do it. And then to the board and then to you. What is confirmed definitely is uh, May, um, 2023 that we, we definitely, but we haven't set fixed the dates yet exactly. Right, Ronnie? That's what we can say at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, I was hoping that, Thomas, you would con confirm Ronnie's plans for for um, for cornering the US market and, and, and the rest of Europe on our podcast. It would have been a nice exclusive, <laughs> but, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Well, it's not, it's not my idea. It's what people used to, to ask us. It means it's impossible to do all this. And uh, you see, well, you were not in the show, but at a point there were uh, a signage. It was written, see you in May 23. So maybe we should have uh, uh, written maybe in 2023, you know, and maybe before, but. Right, right. I understand. <laughs> well, I think what according to according to what Thomas said, it will definitely be in twenty three, but perhaps perhaps before then. So so um, keep us posted. We we certainly would like to let our audience know about that. And I, I would like to end with um, a, a final question, maybe putting you on the spot a little bit. Um, uh, but uh, I thought it might be fun to hear from you what your favorite aspect of this show is. If if it's a if there was a special piece of jewelry that you that you um, saw that or that sold that was on display, or another aspect of the show, and um, what really stood out for you at the at the 2022 um, Gem Geneve event um, that we've just finished. Um, let's start with you, Thomas. My favorite aspect is a variety of the show, personally also attached to the back of the show where we have different exhibitors like the head, which we have been, head is the haute école, uh, the design in Geneva. It's a very good school. We've been working with them from the very first year. So I think that's a big and important aspect of our show. It has added maybe Ronnie will know more details. There's been Vivarium by Vivian Becker, uh, who brings her designers. There's other designers. Was goes personally to my heart, especially this year's 
just before the show, we were contacted by a lady which I knew from the November show from Ukraine. And she asked us if we could make room for some designers of Ukraine. And Rani and his team did the miracle. I don't know how you did it, but <laughs> we could welcome 11 designers of Ukraine. I think it helped them. I think they made a lot of contact. They had good um, press, in at least here in Geneva and, and Switzerland. So um, this is something that really goes to my to my heart beyond the business. That's um, that's a great story, and I did see that um, in your press release that you that, and it did stand out for me as well. The um, the uh, the as that, that you brought in those um, Ukrainian designers, and um, I think it would be very interesting for people to see what sort of jewelry is coming out of Ukraine as well, and that there is that aspect of the industry that has. Um, clearly been affected by what's going on there. Um, Ronnie, was there anything, uh, was there anything um, that stood out for you? Any piece of jewelry? I'd love to hear if you had a favorite piece that you, that you saw at the show. Yes. For me, there was one extraordinary piece of jewelry is human beings. Human beings with hopes. Of course, it takes what uh, Thomas is saying. It went from the people who realized the show, like the constructor, the electrician, and because they are taking this show like their show. When Thomas said, I don't know how Ronnie did this miracle, it's quite simple. It's I spoke to a lady in Paris, Marie, and I said, Marie, we need to give a booth to the Ukrainians and find me a place. And finally, she did it. Uh, I spotted few uh, booths possible, but she found the right one. So this is already something. To see those people acting that way, it's fantastic. Then I would speak about hostesses who are also so happy to come to us. And every time they leave, they cry between my daughter and them. It's only cries. So this is also something. Then to see Ukrainians and Russians in the same place and talking together, it's also human being. Then the youth, the, the people in the back of the show, when you see their eyes and their not naivete, that simple, they're so simple, so direct, you, you know, it comes from their heart. It's fantastic. And then, which is the most surprising, is to see exhibitors happy. You know very well the diamond people. I don't know how many diamond people you saw in your life happy. You know, usually, but diamond or color stones, uh, usually you cry. You sell, you cry. You don't sell, you cry. You buy, you cry. You don't buy, you cry. Here, everybody <laughs> was smiling. So it's, it's really, I think it's... Right. It's my favorite uh, piece of jewelry. It's human being in Jem That's great to hear. And it reminds me of the old saying that diamond tears are like babies. They're always crying and they're always growing, right? <laughs> um, but it's certain, But even babies have time to smile and, um, and laugh and have a good time. And I think it, again, emphasizes the point that the industry is really about the connections and the human interactions that, um, that really makes it quite special. Um, so Ronnie and Thomas, thank you so much for a lovely discussion and for joining us on the podcast. It was really a pleasure having you. 
So we thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure for us. And uh, we look we look forward to hearing about your your plans in the coming year. So um, thank you to both of you, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, it's great having you with us again, and have a great week ahead. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full-service innovation, science, and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step change throughout the diamond industry.